Welcome back to OPA Podcast, episode 68. Today we are recapping Northwestern and previewing Louisiana Lafayette, uh, the Raging Cajuns. Um, but joined today on this very sad post-game show uh, is one of your hosts, Soup. You guys made Jason physically sick, Gophers. I'm talking to you. You guys made Jason physically sick. It is your fault. Hey, hey Griffin? Yep, that's me, Griffin. And Wyatt? I am also here. And your producer, who's also back from Japan, I miss Japan, uh, Jason O. I will say this. If I leave out of the country again, Gophers lose every time. <laughs> <laughs> but... um. I'm going to have the rest of the guys take over to save my voice and maybe try to get some rest. But um, yeah, the Gophers did lose in overtime 37 to 34 against Northwestern this past Saturday. Um, we were, I, just to recap quick, we did dominate and have control of the game for the first three quarters. And in the fourth quarter, Northwestern, with an interim head coach, made an epic comeback to go into overtime and then to win it 37-34, getting that touchdown um, in the first round. So 27 unanswered points. Yeah. So I'll let you guys take the reins from here. Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, where to where to begin? Uh, let Ethan Cook, question mark? I mean, yeah, Ethan was fine. The offense uh, was like he was better than fine. It was like his most efficient game as a passer of no, his career. It, objectively, Ethan was good. Impressive. Yeah. Um, I I I don't know that he's like he's not he's never gonna be the well not this season be the guy to put up stellar numbers. He's not gonna be like a top. 10 or 20 or whatever quarterback in the country this year. I don't think I was asking that of him either. Nobody's asking that of him. Just do what you did this game. Maybe throw half a dozen more passes. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, that's like the offense is not the point of concern after this game, which is insane sure. considering the season is gone. Yeah, I I guess I can see I can see that. Yeah. I can see saying the offense wasn't really the problem here. I think like Ethan put Ethan was 14 of 19 for like he should throw the we need to throw the ball a little bit more. I'd like to see him throw putting up 200 yards in a game, but we can get to coaching. Yeah. I think we can get we can get to that. Darius Taylor, you know, another almost 200 yard game. What yes. more can you ask of him? Three Pete, freshman of the week. What more can you ask of him? Um, you know, we can ask Legitimately him. Legitimately just... nothing. We well, if you're PJ, you, it's it's if you're PJ, you want him in anyway when you're up a couple scores to try and run the clock out because you're a risk averse coach. True. Uh, so as much as we know, we love seeing the 198 yards. He didn't really need to be in for the last, you know, handful of runs. 
Yeah, I mean, I, Griff, I think that's a great point. Like, what happened to Sean Tyler, right? Like, I get it, he had a couple fumbles, but, I mean, you can't Or put... just, like, even if you don't want to put Sean Tyler in, put in Bryce Williams. Which they did. And they, and, they, and they did, and they used him in the past game, and that worked out decently well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, since we're talking about the offense, I think, you know, let's just address the elephant in the room here, which is the head coach and just the full, this is like, this is the first game, you know, since the Bowling Green loss. And it obviously like rings very, very close to it for us where I think like this one is very squarely and obviously on PJ. And I don't think you can really blame anyone else for this one. And not, not like the hokey, like I'm the head coach, all the responsibility falls on me. No, like he pissed this one away. Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. I think that's more than fair to say. I mean, you go up by twenty-one points going into the fourth quarter. It's over. I stopped. I stopped paying attention. I wasn't. You know, I wasn't at this game. I was like, oh, twenty-one point lead. You know, I can. You know, go about my day and assume that's pretty safe, in the hands of, you know. A Joe Rossi defense, and you know, yeah. So, Wyatt, you it, did exactly what PJ did, but PJ was on the field. Yeah, P, the thing about that is, I don't get paid millions of dollars to you know make sure the team is still winning at the end of the fourth quarter. I I get I get paid zero dollars to come do this podcast and talk about how did the team how the team was not winning at the end of the fourth quarter. Griff, go ahead. I saw you light up for a second. No, no, I didn't have anything. Okay. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just like, it, it felt like he was like in like this Groundhog Day scenario in the fourth quarter where it was like, okay, we can just sit on the ball and run the clock out. There's no way Northwestern puts up 27 unanswered points, right? Boom. Touchdown in three plays, all passes to the same receiver. Uh, okay, well, we can just sit on the ball and run out the clock because there's no way Northwestern scores 20 unanswered points, right? Boom, explosive play drive, touchdown. They get the ball back. Well, we can just, right? Like, it, it felt like that he was just like, well, the defense will bail us out. And to me... I don't want to get into this too early because I think there's a longer conversation here on like coaching in general. And I want us to try and get through the game itself first before we start pontificating. But uh, we, we definitely need to just kind of talk about like PJ's offensive philosophy. Cause I really just think that's why they lost. I mean, yeah, it, it certainly, yeah, it's, it's a big problem at this point. I, I don't even Do you... think that, you know, pontificating on that point here is inappropriate because, like, that's that's what happened. That's this game. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's only one quarter in this game that really mattered. It's really even worth discussing. It's the end uh, of the game. There was yeah. there was some great stuff in the first three quarters, but sure. Well, in the first half at least. Well, so let's but, let's do that then. First first three quarters. I think we can very quickly kind of run through what we thought there. I loved how they started. I loved how Ethan opened up, throwing the ball around the yard with confidence. They were efficient. 
they were pushing the ball down the field pretty easily. You know, there were still some hiccups here and there, but they overcame them. Instead of letting them kill drives, they overcame any hiccups that would, like, happen. And they didn't go away from it. Like, like Ethan was, like, 8 for 8 with two touchdowns at halftime. Or 9 for 9 with two touchdowns at halftime. Like, incredible. Great day, you know? And, I mean... Good, and, good when it, and when it comes to the defense, it was like, wow, that... 80-yard touchdown on, like, the first drive was weird. Let's not do that again. Uh, but that was really it. Like, the defense was playing, you know, well enough. They weren't really getting much of anything on offense in the first half. And then, like, even the third quarter, it was, like, more of the same. Very quiet. You know? Yeah. But, like, and then there's the fourth quarter. And that's that's where, you know... That's where we have to have the discussion. Yep. And so that's your offense for the third quarter. Your defense for the first three quarters, I'll say, like we just said, you know, kind of fine. Like, just. Balance. Yeah. Like. There is no fourth quarter balance. Yeah. There you go. So. I mean, I feel like none of us even want to talk about the rest of the game. We just want to talk about what what happened in the fourth quarter. So. It's, well, do you think this? Do you think their drive ends up in the end zone at the end of the game if there isn't a special teams blunder? Because I really want to talk about PJ's coaching, and I don't want to like make yeah. this. I don't. I don't want to deflect from that at all. But I'm also pissed at special teams because you have to know where you are. I don't care if the end zone is the same color as the field. Well, um, like you let's, have to let's talk about what happened. Let's let's talk about what happened for like if you didn't watch the game or or you're forgetting whatever. So Mark, first of all, backing up to that, Peach is punting from like the northwestern 37, which I uh, I almost threw my TV out the out the window because I was just like, like I get a, I get punting here. PJ move. Yeah, but I get punt like like I understand his logic of why he wants to punt there. I get it. He, and I don't know if you saw this, but there was a quick clip of Rob Wenger and him getting into it on the sideline before this play, before the punt. Because Wenger is probably saying, no, let, let Dragon kick this field goal. He, 55 yards? Psh, let's try it. When's, when better and time? And then the game's over. Thought, then the game's over. thought we'd be agreeing with Rob Wenger? Yeah, here we are. On this podcast. No, you know, PJ probably has flashbacks to Iowa where they get the field goal blocked and give up really good field position and then lose. And guess what happens? The same exact thing, but he punts the ball, right? So you punt the ball and it's like a it ends up being like a like a seventeen yard net punt because it bounces. It's a I mean, Mark Crawford, great job with the sand wedge. Like Unreal, unreal punt from that distance. Like I, this is what he was meant to do: is punt from inside the fifty, and Quentin Redding just catches it in the end zone. He's there, like three seconds before the ball even hits the ground. He's there and he's ready for it, and it just bounces over the goal line into his arms. And he looks down, and he looks up at Brady Weeks, who's giving him like the LeBron James, J.R. Smith meme. What are you doing? And Griff, field position. Go ahead. What about it? Which I mean, you were you were talking about it before. About do you think they score and win if that punt is downed correctly? You know, 
it's I don't I don't know what to think anymore because watching that last drive makes me think it would have ended up in the same result. Um, but I'd like to believe that our defense could have stopped Northwestern. But it seems like yards or whatever. But it's like they were giving up too many chunk plays. The defense seemed to just kind of all the all the receivers were able to find every soft spot and weak spot in our defense. And this wasn't even like on the last drive. This was, you know, like kind of the second half. Yeah, the entire Um, second half. So I'm sitting here thinking, you know what? Maybe it doesn't, but I'd sure expect any team to stop um, an offense from going 98 yards or whatever down the field. See, and I agree with you. And I think it's different play calling probably on both sides. Exactly. Down that ball at the two instead of, you know, catching it in the end zone. No, yeah, completely, because then you're backed up, right? You want to get some breathing room, so you end up running the ball. You waste it down, probably end up wasting a timeout in its situation, too, if you're Northwestern, right? Now it's second and, let's say, fourth, second and four at best, right? Like, you nice six-yard run. You're on the eight. Completely. Now you can start opening up the playbook a little more, but you're already down a down, and you still have to go 92 yards, right? And, and, and no, that last play comes with, what, two seconds on the clock? Yeah. Yep. That that one down matters. Yeah, that's it. And no time and it would and it would kill a timeout. So, I mean, I just like what it, it to me it all starts with like the decision to just not go for it on fourth down, and I understand that that's because um of Darius Taylor going down because Darius Taylor was like briefly hurt and then the trainers pulled him out for that play and you know PJ seemed very upset about that and I'm like dude like what was that what would that be carry number like 33 34 for this kid like 31 carries yeah put put Cole Kramer in there with Sean Tyler and run the freaking wildcat you can get like what was it fourth and two what was it I don't know. It was short. It was under five. And it was just like, go for it or kick the field goal. Why in the world are we punting? Because, like, I know his thing in his head is like, well, if we kick and it gets blocked, then the field position's really bad. Okay. But what if you punt the ball into the end zone, PJ? What about then? Right? Then the field position is not really better. It's 15 yards different at that point, which is nothing. And... It's it's the same momentum swing. He doesn't believe in momentum, and that's that's just. Which uh, PJ, football, go watch this game again if you don't believe in momentum. Football is, you know, momentum matters in a football game. I'd it's, say mentality, like mentality matters, and momentum comes from like stringing good plays together, getting in rhythm, and that's what they were doing. Like, to me, when I think of momentum in football, it's like the mentality of having success and being able to repeat it. But it also gives like, both sides of the ball the confidence you need to keep going. Yeah. And I know that they wanted to run the play on fourth down, too, because, I mean, they stood out there and looked at the sideline like, we're going for this, right? You know? And I just... I'm just like, I want to touch on the defense before I really dig into PJ. So let's let's talk about Joe Rossi 
Now, this is probably the worst game their unit has had under him, I would say. Yeah. Um, Maybe 2020. Sure. But, I mean, like, this is a complete, like, debacle, right? Like, this is a complete and total the bottom comes out. Collapse. Yeah, exact. Perfect word. And, you know, going back and watching it again, I don't really think it had anything to do with him, which is, like, the most aggravating part, I'm sure, for him, too, is that, like, they... He did a pretty good job of, like, keeping... Of calling the defense. Like, there's a lot of opportunities for guys out there. Like, Maverick Baranowski, aside from getting two absolute boneheaded, unnecessary roughness calls after the whistle, has the chance to make a lot of plays in this game, tackles near or behind the line of scrimmage, and he just doesn't. Like, and it's been all year with him of just missing these tackles. And... I think that's what you saw when you go back and you watch, rewatch the game or you pop on the film. It's, you know, there's guys in position to make plays, but they just don't. Like the end of the game, that last play, Kyler Baugh runs past the quarterback. Yep. And he's been good. You know what I mean? It's just had to be aggravating for Joe Rossi because it's like, what in the world are you supposed to do? Go take another head coaching job, probably. But you know, I this is a pretty big, pretty big spot on your resume, I'd say, uh, because at the end of the day, it does fall on the coaches, and the people who evaluate these hires from the outside aren't really going to look at much besides, you know, productivity and uh, wins and losses. You know, like they'll see this. Oh, what happened in this game? You guys gave up twenty-seven unanswered points in the fourth quarter in overtime. You know. Yeah, and that's a, it's a really nuanced, you know, explanation that doesn't get you anywhere if you're Joe Rossi, to say, yeah, I like I, I called the game as well as I could, and just sure. fucking everything went wrong. So here, so I've I've been really enjoying this uh, website called GameOnPaper.com. Gives you some great advanced stats for Power Five teams and matchups and stuff like that. And defensively, their stop rate was 52%. Pretty good. They're, and, right. and, they, yeah. and 23% of the plays, of, of those, they were on the field for 82 plays, and they had uh, 23%, 19, havoc plays. So, like, plays where they disrupt the offense in some way. I mean, they like, like, that's what I'm saying, of, like, they are around the ball. They are... You know, they have opportunities, but they're just, in key moments, they just, they're not executing, or somebody's looking in the backfield, or Tyler Newbin is getting, you know, is, is pressing a little bit, trying to make a big play, and jumps the wrong route, and touchdowns on the other side, you know? And I mean, there's an argument to be made that that's stuff that falls on coaching as well. Sure. And it, to, to an extent, it does. But like, the coaches can't go out there and make the play for you. No, they can't. Well, Joe Rossi can't go out there and you know, put the yeah. quarterback on the ground for his guys. They got to yeah. go out there and. Yeah, I don't. 
and he, he, he can't say, you know, my scheme was right and they didn't execute because then it looks bad. Absolutely. I, I guess the point I'm more trying to make is that it's, it's game after it's, it's these tackling issues, I think. And, and it's not like we're, they're teaching them not to tackle, but like our linebacker core before this, right? Like before this year, they were always very sure tackling and the games where we weren't good are the games where our linebackers don't tackle well, right? 2020 Maryland, the Bowling Green game, just way too many missed tackles at the second level. And that's where they're getting killed. So I've got some fun advanced stats for you guys here because I think we know the tail of tape this game was explosiveness, right? So without explosive plays, if you remove those from the game, Northwestern's EPA per play was negative 14.5. That's without explosive plays. And the Gophers was 2.75. With explosive plays, it was 0.12. For Northwestern with, it was 0.22. That's wild, right? And if you look, this is, I think, the most damning stat. And we can start getting in to PJ here. EPA without explosive plays... When passing, 2.34. When rushing, for the Gophers, that is, minus 5. Without explosive runs, you are minus 5 in EPA per play when rushing the ball. And I think that is probably the most damning statistic of this entire game because it just tells you exactly what happened. They kept running the ball, they kept running the ball, and doing nothing with it. And then Northwestern runs a total of 82 plays from scrimmage. The Gophers run 61. They ran 21 more plays than the Gophers did. Right? That's like, what, two, almost three drives. Yeah, that's, what, 10 more first downs, I think it was? Yeah. Yeah. Plays per drive, 5.9 for the Gophers, 8.0 for Northwestern. So, I don't know. A, a lot of these advanced stats I, I, I find very interesting personally. Um, to me, I think the offense was much more efficient, and I think if you look at the numbers, that's what it tells you. But I think this stuff with and without explosive plays, it's just this is why Joe Rossi has his defense built the way it is, right? Yep. And you see what happens when you give them up you lose and you lose quickly. And I think my biggest gripe with PJ for this game is that it feels like he kind of doesn't allow for a scenario in which the defense has a bad day. You know what I mean? Like they've become so dependent on Joe Rossi giving up like 17 points a game, you know? that I think it, like, really, sh like, sh is, like, PJ really has used it as a crutch at this point because at some point you think they go, okay, well, the passing game has been efficient. Let's open it back up because it was, like, we come out for the second half. It's pass, pass, pass. 
it's you know we throw three straight passes and it's like three incompletions and then we punt and then you go run run pass the rest of the game why why are we why are we still doing this it's just beyond frustrating i'm so angry about Stubborn the, way, the way all of this went down yeah, I mean it's just the it's the same shit. You know what I mean? It's like inside zone left, inside zone right, uh, third and six plus. Ethan, please do something. And then every throw that Ethan has in the second half is like, well, gotta have this one, you know. And we've talked about it for three games now about how I it like how much and and how much better did he look when the offense kind of was going through him. You know what I mean? I like mean, you, are, you already said it. He went nine for nine in the first half or something like that. Two touchdowns. And then in, in the second half, he's 50%, five of 10. You know, when every throw's a got to have a throw, it's not gonna, he's not going to perform at that same level. He's not going to get comfortable. He's not going to complete his passes. Yeah. And, you know, Daniel Jackson runs a eight-yard route on third and nine. Brevin runs a four and a half yard route on third and five, you know? And that's going to happen when you don't pass enough. Cause if I'm a receiver at this point, I'm sitting here pissed because I still don't think we have a receiver with a hundred yards in a game. In a, yeah, we don't. Yep. I don't know. So it's like, sure. We, we got him. We got him in the end zone now. Right. But can we, I, if I'm a receiver, I want the yards as as well as the touchdowns. Sure. Well, I just want to be trusted with the ball, man. Yeah. Come on. And, get, and to go back to these advanced stats, EPA per dropback, 0.36, and yards per dropback, 10.19. And you just stop doing it. Like, Ethan should have, like, approached 30 attempts in this game. Like it's, he maybe that number looks slightly stat. worse if he like those numbers could look worse if he throws a little more. But how but much worse? Is, how much? How much? And how much do we care? But they look like that after we just said an iffy second half from him, where every throw has got to have it, and he was fifty percent, and there's still ten yards per drop back at the end of the day, right? Like, and you just completely gave up on that. And and at this point, like, it it is PJ like. PJ, hi, I'm the problem, it's me, right? Like, he, different coordinator than the Bowling Green game, right? So you can't blame the coordinator here. Different play caller, can't blame the play caller. The, the common denominator here is him. When he gets up by two-plus scores, all he wants to do is sit on the ball and not lose. And I think in year seven of this program, it is completely unacceptable to still approach the game that way. Because now you've got your your guys. Now you've got this team exactly the way you want it to. And you still just don't go for the throat. Yeah, this isn't Jerry Kill's football team. Because that was, that was the Jerry Kill approach. Was we're going to go get, you know, three yards of play all game long. And we're going to, you know, we're going to make you beat us without having the ball. And that was and his approach at Western, 
And that's his, it's a fine approach for when you are beating a team that is better than you. Right? Like if you're up 21 rip on like Alabama or something, and you just decide to run the ball and not let your quarter, your young quarterback put the ball up for grabs. Sure. I totally get that. But this Northwestern team is not that you are better than this team, but you just, don't assert your will over them at all when you have the lead. I just don't get it. It wouldn't surprise me if he still is running this offense the same way he is at the end of the year because I think that it needs to be a conversation of his job if it's still going to end up in games like this throughout the end of this year. Like you're, this is like you said, year seven. There's higher expectations for this program, right? He says he wants to come here and he wants to win a championship. Well, if he could win a championship running the same offense he wants to run right now, great. But when it doesn't work, you don't stick with it. And it hasn't worked. And it hasn't worked. So you sit there and you use his own words against you and say, "Change your best." Are you going? Are you going to adapt to the game? Exactly. And he spent all of last week with, you know, talking about the mistakes they made against the Carolina team when he was like, you know, how many times, like they they just had to touch the stove, right? They had to touch the stove and now they've touched the stove. He loved that analogy last week. Well, guess what? You touched the stove again this week, PJ. You went and did it. What are you, what are you going to do? Right? Like he literally talked about his players doing this last week and he's now doing it this week. When will, when will it change? Like it's just really, really frustrating. I mean, there's an argument to be made that it is changing and it's getting worse. I wouldn't go that far, personally. I just, I think, I worry that he's just, you know, so risk-averse. Well, he is. That he's going to settle for, you know, seven and six, eight and five every year. I mean, and that, that's pretty. That's just, that's that's pretty dang good for this program. Like that's that, yeah. But like the fact that people want more, I think, speaks to the success that he had has had. But I think what Griffin said alludes more to what's the ceiling here if you're going to be like this, right? I think that's kind of the point Griffin was touching on: is you are limiting your ceiling by the way. But yeah, that is that's what I'm saying: is that the okay. ceiling is seven, eight wins. We I mean, could get n- seven or eight. nine wins the last two two years, so the ceiling is not seven or eight. This year, it's probably the ceiling's eleven because that's how many they had in twenty nineteen, which is only four years ago. But like, you get a team like you get Michigan and Ohio State in a, on the schedule. Yeah, you're not winning anything. You're not going like to. Yeah, I you're agree. not going to be teams playing like that. The ceiling this season is just not as high as it was. As yeah. as it as it could be. Yeah, I think you know you nine, have the talent so, to have that higher ceiling. But yeah, exactly. Like you're not getting past that seven or eight win mark. You're not winning any meaningful games like this. And you know you get the big winning. You get four huge games for us. Oh yeah, just absolutely. Griff, go ahead. Oh, I wasn't saying no. anything. I just saw you come off mute. Oh, I'm going to come off mute. Yes, here we go. So, 
I said this in my um, notes, and I don't remember if I said it on the podcast last week when I had to hop off while I was in Japan. But this was supposed to be, in my in my mind, a get right game. The game where you fix your ish, call it done, you move on. That was not the case. They did it for one half. Yeah. But this was a bad team who yep. is going through internal tor- turmoil. Like, they just fired Pat Fitzgerald, who... We heard PJ said he respected Pat Fitzgerald for what he built at Northwestern. Um, you know, over the summer, right? He got fired on an interim head coach, which is probably not going to be retained after the 2023 season. But he could. We'll see. Maybe if he wins a few more games. True. But this was the kind of game where PJ shouldn't have, like as we said, shouldn't have done PJ ball at all. Mm-hmm. This was a team where you're supposed to walk in, walk in um, Evanston, get your get your shit done, walk out. We're on to the next game, and and I don't know if this is a Midwest Minnesota sports or something, but I my 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 relatives always and I bitch about it. We always played to the love of our competition, <laughs> and we did we kind of did in that fourth we did in that fourth quarter i'm not or that second half first half we did not but second half we did and this team is better even my uh coworker who said like oh he was worried about playing minnesota for the for week one because this was a very we have a very established team we got veterans on this team we have a talented tight end talented receiver core we now have dt and the running back room to, to be our RB one and like we're blowing it. Yeah. And I'm just pissed. <laughs> like I this mean, team is better than they should be. I they shouldn't be handling their business as normal, but they did not. And yeah, now my prediction, what they're showing. And now my predictions for us going 10 and two is now going down the drain. And I'm going, <laughs> you made happy Jason PJ into a very, <laughs> I'm hurt. Yeah, I'm I'm okay. They just need to run the table, and I'm fine. Yeah, but my rant is over. But action was this year, but Northwestern throws it all off kilter. Yeah, it's that's a killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Well, let's talk about the upcoming battle, and I'll start it with another interesting advanced stat for you guys. So. Uh, in EPA per play margin, Minnesota currently 94th in FBS with .087, and that is the EPA margin, a weighted average of offensive and defensive EPA. It's That's all it is. It's just a weighted average of offense and defensive EPA leans towards the offense. This is a CFB graphs at Stats of War on Twitter. And the Louisiana... Lafayette, right? Yes. Raging Cajuns are Raging 22nd Cajuns. in FBS in EPA per play margin. So, interesting note there. And to add more on top of that, this will be our homecoming game at Huntington Bank Stadium. It will air on the Big Ten Network at 11 a.m. kickoff. 
and the betting odds right now. Uh, the line is Minnesota minus 11. Over under is at 48.5 for this game. And weather looks good. So, soup, you're going to have a good time out there. It's going to be it's gonna be warm and cool. Can't wait. But where do you want to start with this um, game coming up? Uh, we're coming off a two-game loss. Or lo- I can't talk because my mind. We're on a two-game losing streak. It's tough out here. And uh, we're going into a game where, um, in terms of like stats-wise, um, like in terms of quarterback play and stuff like that, from what I'm seeing, stats like just looking at just numbers between offense and defense. You know, the Gophers don't look too hot overall in terms of yards allowed uh, on defense and then yards per play on the offense. But then, like, I see our teams being very similar um, between the Raging Cajuns and the Gophers. But other than that, I really have no clue what to expect. Um, and with how the Gophers have been playing, I was expecting this kind of betting odds from Vegas. If it were, if the Gophers have done their done bit, uh, business last week, I think this would have been maybe like a minus twenty kind of game. But. Mm. I don't know. I'd say like I think you'd get to like fourteen, maybe sixteen. Another field goal. We're just not a team who like wants to score. So, you know, for whatever reason, which is going to be a problem. Which is going to be a problem this weekend because uh, Raging Cajuns they put up points. Yes, they do. They will be putting points on the scoreboard. So. I hope we do. They've scored. Uh, they scored thirteen points. They they've scored no less than thirty-eight points. Which is game. which is interesting because we both run a fairly balanced offense. Um, we're usually pretty consistent in the run and the pass on both sides, but they actually convert that into points. Yep, and they're also fairly explosive through the air. Um, less, you know, much more so than we are, but, uh, you know, explosive passing plays is really what leads to points nowadays, specifically, right? So that's why their EPA margin is so good, top 25 in FBS. So, I mean, I think that matters, right? Um, I think it especially matters after these last couple of weeks. It's Yeah. Big, big plays in our in our uh, secondary. Yep, and that is the weakness. Though we did get that transfer waiver approved from the uh, from the NCAA, so that's nice. We have a kid coming home who had his uh, transfer waiver uh, approved. Craig McDonald coming from sure. Auburn. A defensive back, so some depth there doesn't hurt, right? Never. And so, I mean, just looking at them, um, yeah, I mean, both their quarterbacks are pretty solid seven yards in attempt, eight yards in attempt, both have good QBR. They've seven to three, it looks like an eight to three touchdown interception ratio combined. 
is not the worst. And so, you know, otherwise it's just a bunch of explosiveness from them. So, yeah, that's very, um, very concerning. I don't know. I'm just really, yeah, they total offense, 479.3 yards a game. Woof. That's a lot of yards. But they give up over 300 yards a game on defense. So you're going to you're going to have to actually score. So I think you know best case scenario is this is an opportunity for PJ to finally just go I'm not doing this anymore, right? I agreed. Like yeah. I think this is the the kind of game where you don't want to be PJ ball. Like this you is get a game up, you stay up. Yes. Like you get in oh. there, you let Ethan sling it for four quarters instead of a first half. Also, this is the game where you you just you have to change what PJ Ball is. You have to look at that last game and say, "I never want to be embarrassed like that again." And you know, go put up some points. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think, I don't know. I just. I want so so just play to win the game, right? Play to win. Don't play to not lose. Stop that. Yeah, I mean, play when you're because now we know if we have a three touchdown lead in the fourth quarter, not safe. Yeah, that's yep, not safe at all. Like, if you are able to still keep a balanced offense, milk the clock where you're going down the field, but get points. I know you don't want to. You know, blow someone out and then look like it's not classy. Uh, it doesn't matter at this point. Mm-hmm. Like we're not known for blowing people out. So if we start blowing people out by four or five possessions, we did it because we had to. Because we have live, we have live liability issues at certain positions. Totally. And you know, even last game, they were seventy percent in the red zone, the ninety-first percentile is red zone success rate. So when they did get there, it has gotten a lot better. You know, good. I'm glad we checked that box. But now I think it's much more about like a philosophy of trying to get there, right? Because it doesn't feel like once they get up that they're trying to get back into scoring. It just feels like how long can we make this take, you know? Absolutely. So that's what I really want to see is I, I, th- I think they've – did a good job of of converting last game but i just think it's go go get more why stop yep and then looking on the other side of the ball too on defense i'm expecting this game where the young guys like baranowski and some others to improve again like sue i think you mentioned it earlier baranowski had like what two boneheaded uh yeah, unnecessary late, roughness late hit penalties. Yeah. Yeah. So I expect that on the defensive side to be cleaned up and obviously tackling to be better than what we saw last game. Cody Lindenberg, please. Yes. And also hope for the return of Cody Lindenberg, um, number 45 on the defense there. But then I'm also thinking like Wyatt, your boys, special teams. If we have a situation again, where like if Mark Crawford punts, and it has the Listen, chance. To I do not the... claim Quentin Redding. <laughs> I do not claim him. I know, but if he's in, he's in, he's in the doghouse right now, 
What, like yeah, returning? He's definitely or... Yeah, if he... Put him out there to return the football. Yeah, Sean either Tyler. return it. All he has but... three, three career... T- doesn't he have, like, three kick return touchdowns on his career? Yeah, Western Michigan. Mm-hmm. No, but for me... If, if there's a situation where that ball is landing, could can land on the one, and you're in that <laughs> end zone, at least like keep it out of the end zone. <laughs> Something, not stupid mistakes. We, like I guess, that. I guess for now we need a five yard rule for our special teams now, where <laughs> I'm going to much rather have you touch a ball at the six than risk at the one. Just stay away from the end zone. Catch it at the, put your heels on the five. Heels on the five. You're going to have amazing awareness. You'll beat, maybe you'll even beat the ball to a spot. Don't go in the end zone. Don't go near it. Don't touch it. I'll risk four instead of losing 20. <sighs> I just, I don't know. I just would really like to. S- Put your foot on the gas. Get 45. Get, do it. Just, just do it. Like, Just do it. This isn't the NFL where you, you know, kneel the football to show some respect. It's, the, it's college where every point can matter. Even then, uh, Miami just hung, hung 70 on the Broncos. Miami hung 70 on the Broncos and then took a knee. Yep. Yeah. Which is somehow even more disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's insane. And then Sean Payton put his foot on the gas and ran a running play. Love it. But we digress. Um, let's move on then to predictions. Um, I'm going. To, I'll I'll start off first, and then we'll go Soup, Griffin, and lastly Wyatt. Um, I'm saying we will win. 31-17. I think I don't know why even though as much as we want PJ to change his best, but I still go think there's going to be an inkling of PJ ball on there and then something happens and this is going to be a little closer than we think it is and then we get a late touchdown in the fourth quarter. But yeah, 31-17 for me. Soup? Give me 38-10 Gophers. What? Yes. Oh, I'm in. Let's do it. Let's do it. Griffin? I th- I think oh. I think they'll. Sorry, I'm just saying. I think they'll really, really go after it, and I think we'll see a bounce back game from Joe Rossi at the very least. I'm expecting seven of those points to be a defensive touchdown. Well, I really do not know what to think after last week. As much as I want to be as optimistic as you, Sue, this, I feel, he's too stubborn. He's too stubborn. He's not going to want to uh, go way too far from his norm. He thinks he can still win nine out of every ten games playing his style of ball. I still think we're going to win, but I'm only going to do a nice old – 38-30 38-31. Track meet. I mean, at this point, I don't expect our defense 
to ever hold any opponent to less than 20 points for the rest of the season. It's like this, this, this isn't like a, I think Joe Rossi is bad. It's because we've already established that he's doing fine. His schemes are fine. It's the players that need to make plays. And I don't think that's one thing that our defense is going to do in a week span. So as it may, maybe if they were to fix it down the line, Towards the end of the season, we played them. Sure, maybe I'd be a little more generous. But at this point, I'm a pessimist to an extent. So we're going, we're going with the, the track meet, the shootout. We're going to have 70-yard bombs by both teams. It's just that it's going to be that kind of day. That's a lot of points being thrown around. Oh, my God, boys. Did we really expect Northwestern to put up 30 and then their quarterback throw for almost 400 yards? No, so nothing's going to surprise me anymore. Do I sound mad? No. No, you okay, don't sound mad enough. enough. Um, I don't pick the Gophers against the spread, and I don't pick the Gophers over. Just because, prove me wrong. On both, and then I'll start doing it. So we're gonna we're gonna say the the Gophers can win this one, and they I'll have them winning this one, but it's gonna be twenty seven twenty one. Seems fine. All right, all right. Let's just end it here, because. <laughs> The pain has begun. This has begun. The pain's been lingering. <laughs> the zoos. So, everyone, thank you so much for listening and viewing our pain and suffering and rants of this going to go for football team. Next up, uh, when we return, it will be episode 69. We hope it will be extra special to hit that it'll milestone. Be extra or an extra, extra negative. That could be the case. Um, but when we return, we'll be previewing uh, Michigan uh, for the Little Brown Jug rivalry trophy and then recap Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. But um, have a great weekend coming up as the Gophers play for homecoming. If you're going to the game, have a blast. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. But other than that, I'm one of your hosts, Jason O, along with Soup. Griffin. And I'm Wyatt. And we'll see you guys next time. Oh.